You're listening to the Whitewater Church Podcast. We just want to say thanks so much for tuning in. And if you enjoy what you hear today, please subscribe, share, and review the podcast. If you want to support what Whitewater is doing, you can go to whitewaterchurch.org slash give. Let's dive into this week's message together. Hi, Whitewater. My name is Kate Konzelman, and I get to share with you today, um, continuing our series on Brighter, Not Bitter. Um, I am a licensed mental health therapist here in Washington. I have a practice locally, um, and I've also been a part of Whitewater for several years and enjoyed being a part of this community. And so today I'm going to talk about grief and how we can process our, if we process our grief, we will actually be brighter versus bitter. Um, I think we often have this uh, feeling in Christianity as Christians that if we love God and we serve Him and we follow Him, we will be spared suffering. We will be spared hardship. And this is just not true. It's not, there's not support for that in scripture. In fact, scripture talks a lot about suffering, a lot about hardship, a lot about pain. It talks a lot about how to walk through suffering, not the absence of it. And I know we're sick and tired of talking about the pandemic, but I am going to talk about the pandemic today and the impact I believe it is having on us from a mental health perspective and from a faith perspective. I know we're tired of the tension and the do's and the don'ts, the restrictions and all these things, but I would like to present to you today that I believe that over the last two years, we have been experiencing collective grief. And when I say grief, I'm talking about what we call in our psychology world, ambiguous loss. Ambiguous loss is loss without closure or clarity. Another example of this is a missing person, right? You, someone goes missing, it's tremendously stressful, emotional, and produces grief, and yet there's not this closure because you're always wondering, is that person still alive? Are they okay? Are they going to show up again? And it's very difficult to grieve in that way because there is no clarity or closure. In the same way, the pandemic provides ambiguous loss. As much as I would like to tell you that the pandemic is going to end on March 1st and it'll all be over and the virus will be gone and the tension will be gone and everybody will agree about every restriction being lifted, that's just not the case, right? In fact, it's probably going to be a long, slow fate, um, and it's going to continue to probably provide some tension and frustration. With that ambiguous loss that we've been experiencing in a variety of ways over the last two years, it is very difficult for us to actually process the grief, acknowledge the grief, and begin to work through the grief, because we're kind of waiting for the end in order to process it. But I'm gonna to present to you today that that might not be the most healthy way for us to process the last two years. And I'm gonna invite you to begin that process of healing with me today. So I wanna talk a little bit about the common responses that we have to grief. You probably have heard about the five stages of grief. And if you have experienced acute grief in your life, you may hate the five stages of grief because it seems like it's way oversimplifying 
and a tremendously difficult process. I would completely agree with you. So please hear that when I talk about some of these emotional responses, they are not linear, and you may not experience all of them or any of them, or you may experience some of them. Grief is very fluid, and everyone experiences it differently. In fact, that's why sometimes relationships can be so strained when we are processing grief because we feel that people should grieve the same way that we grieve. This is just kind of a human experience. If we're grieving the same thing, but you're doing it differently than me, are we really grieving the same thing? And so that can get sticky. But it is true, people grieve differently. So remember that as you process not only what you maybe have been grieving, but also how others have been grieving. All right, so here are some of the common feelings and emotions you may have experienced over the last two years. I know I have. Sadness, guilt, anger, frustration, blame, anxiety, loneliness, fatigue, feelings of helplessness, hopelessness, shock, numbness, bargaining, brain fog. Does anybody relate to those feelings? I could probably check off my every single one in a variety over the last two years. Keep those in mind as we continue to go through this process. I would like to present that through this ambiguous loss, we have been grieving what could have been. When you think about it that way, does that trigger something for you? Are you grieving different pieces of what you feel could have been if there wasn't a pandemic, if there wasn't the restrictions? Because grief can look so differently in us and others, sometimes we misidentify it as a different emotion. For example, you might be extra irritable with your spouse or get into a tiff with them about something when in reality what you're feeling is a loss of this event that you were supposed to be at that day or um, a strange interaction with someone who feels more nervous or less nervous than you about the pandemic. Um, or for kids, like I have a lot of people who come to me with anxiety in their kids and they don't associate it with the pandemic because the kids are like, I aren't anxious about getting sick, but are terrified to go to the grocery store or have social anxiety that's developed. This can still be part of this loss of um, things that we used to experience, used to have, used to not feel um, this way. Or church might feel differently. We're in a different building. Sometimes people are on a screen and it feels different, right? And if we don't do the internal work of identifying what we're feeling and working through, we're at danger for blaming others for those things, like blaming the pastor or blaming the president or blaming um, the school district. And doesn't mean that those people don't have a part in the decisions that are being made that might feel frustrating. But if we don't do the internal work and identify what it is that we are experiencing, we may misinterpret or misplace our frustration on others. And that can be harmful in relationship. So Timothy Keller, this amazing uh, pastor and theologian out of New York, talks about the three ways that we can process our feelings. 
And I'm going to use these, these as structures for this talk today because I think he just totally nails it. One is that religion, not our not relationship with Jesus, but religion tells us to stuff our feelings. The world or our culture tells us to bow to our feelings. And three, the gospel, our relationship with Jesus, invites us to pray our feelings. Religion tells you to stuff your feelings. The world tells you to bow to your feelings. And the gospel invites us to pray our feelings. Let's dive into that. First, religion tells you to stuff your feelings. If you have walked with Jesus or you know people that have walked with Jesus, oftentimes do you feel that having feelings like grief or doubt or anger is a lack of faith, a lack of trust in God, that it's not okay to feel those feelings? This is what we're talking about. I want you to hear this today. Grief is not doubt in God. Grief is not doubt in God. God is not threatened by your grief, which means he's not offended by your sadness, by your anger, by your numbness, by your anxiety. He wants to connect with you over those things. I want to read a psalm um, this morning. This is Psalm 13, and this is written by uh, David, who God calls um David, a man after his own heart. So he he loves David and loves David's heart. Listen to this psalm. Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul? With sorrow in my heart every single day? How long will my enemies have the upper hand? Turn and answer to me. Answer me, oh God. Restore the sparkle in my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies continue to gloat over me saying, we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But I will trust in your unfailing love and I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. I love the Psalms, particularly in this conversation around grief because they're so vulnerable. Listen to his cry for help, his frustration, his doubt, his grief, that he's bringing this before God. He's not stuffing that. He's talking to God about this. He's presenting it to God. And I would argue that the danger of unprocessed grief is that it becomes self-pity. If you don't acknowledge or process through the grief and the emotions you are feeling, you could develop self-pity or victim, being a victim of your circumstances. And the trouble with self-pity or becoming a victim of your circumstances is that it almost always distances you from God and distances you from others. So ask yourself this. Over the last two years, as you have been processing potentially this ambiguous loss, this grief, have you hurt others with your hurt? Has your unprocessed hurt caused you to hurt others as you are um, maybe feeling frustration, feeling anger, feeling sadness, feeling numbness? I know I have hurt relationships or created tension when I am not acknowledging or working through these feelings. 
When we fail to acknowledge what we're feeling, it also empties us of empathy for others in what they may be feeling. And it's so important that we work through our own emotions so that we grow our compassion and grow our empathy for others. The second point is culture says to bow to our feelings. What happens though when our feelings become king, right? They become your truth. They become your truth. And we know emotions and feelings do ebb and flow. Um, and if that becomes our radar, that becomes our, 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 our foundation for what we base truth off of, that's not going to be very stable. I do think there's been a lot of good from this push towards working through, our, through feeling our feelings, knowing our emotions, and acknowledging them in the world. But that can be taken too far to where it becomes our authority. 1 John 3.20 says, God is greater than your heart and knows everything. It doesn't say God doesn't care about your heart. It doesn't say God doesn't want to hear about your heart or thinks your heart is invalid. It just says he is greater than our emotions, our feelings. And that's good news for us because he is our truth. He is our rock. But we can still present our hearts to him and process these things with him and allow him to be the stability while we maybe work through these feelings and emotions. So what if there's a third way? What if, what if there is another option than stuffing our feelings and or bowing to them? And I believe that the gospel does present us with another option, which is to pray these feelings, to process through, acknowledge these feelings with God. Psalms 126 says, those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go out to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest it produces. I love that picture of what God invites us to do with our sadness, with our grief, with our processing. He allows, He invites us to use it to deepen our growth, deepen our relationship with Him, and deepen our love for others. The greatest commandment is to love God and love others. And if we don't process through these feelings and these emotions, we will be limited in both those things. But if we allow ourselves to be honest with what we are experiencing and feeling, we can deepen our relationship with God and we can deepen our relationship with others. So what does this look like? What does it look like to pray our feelings? What does it look like to acknowledge these things? The Psalms is a great place to look at for an example. A third of the Psalms are laments, our emotion, our sadness. And I love that it gives us this picture of what it looks like to be raw before God, like this, the Psalm 13 that we read, where David is crying out to him with frustration, with grieving, with, with disappointment. God can handle these things. And he wants us to lean into him with those things. So don't cheapen your prayers by trying to make them something that you're proud of, right? Prayer is just an invitation to be raw before God, to be in connection with him. And this year, we need to work through some difficult feelings, some difficult emotions. Sometimes it's hard for us to identify what it is that we are feeling. So I like to use this tool um, for myself and with clients that is called the feeling wheel. 
A feeling wheel starts very generically in the middle with emotions like peaceful, sad, mad, scared, joyful, powerful, and then moves out to more specifics as you move along the wheel. This can be very helpful in identifying what you are feeling and maybe what the root is. The inside is the root, the outside is the expression of it, right? So if I'm feeling discouraged, I might also be, if I move this in, discouraged, I might also be feeling rejected. And from rejected means I'm probably feeling scared at my core, right? So this is a really helpful tool, not only um, to identify what you're feeling for yourself, but can be helpful in relationship. Like if you are in a marriage or in a in a friendship or with roommates or anything that you need to use connection with around maybe something that you're feeling, I encourage you to use this tool. It's really helpful with kids as well. But for our purposes today, I'm gonna encourage you to use it in relationship with the Lord. Use it as an invitation to deepen your, your prayer and your connection with Him. For example, the one I used earlier, I'm feeling rejected. Just tell God, I'm feeling rejected by this friend or this parent or this spouse because of this thing and this thing. And when I feel rejected by these people, sometimes I feel rejected and isolated from you, God. Take these Psalms. You hear in these Psalms the way that David is raw and honest before God. That is the tool that will help us to process through our emotions and our grief with God as well. Use this feeling wheel as a launching pad for that. And as you do, as you begin to work through these emotions and to process these things, you will deepen in your intimacy with Christ, but you will also grow in your empathy for others, which allows us to love God and love people more freely. An encouragement is in Psalm 35, it says, Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. C.S. Lewis says kind of the same thing in a different way, which is for the Christian, the best is always yet to come. The good news is we always have hope, no matter what the circumstance is. I sat with a friend a couple days ago who has lost a lot. She has experienced grief in, uh, in, in a tremendous way. And she said to me, sometimes God takes good things in order to give us his best. And it made me think about this year. It made me think about the last two years and all that we have processed through or lost. That if all our all we're hoping for is the end of a pandemic and things to go back to the way that they were, we might miss out on his best. We have lost good things. We have lost good things. But God may want to give us better things the best things. And the good news is for us, if we lean into Him and we deepen our relationship with Him and with others, that will be best. That will be better. We will be more loving, caring people in this world. So I invite you to be honest with your emotions. Be honest with the things you're feeling with yourself, with others, and with God. And allow this to deepen your relationship with him and others. Let's pray. Father God, I just pray that you would continue to deepen us with you, Jesus, that we would be honest with what we are experiencing, honest with what we are feeling, and that through the movement of processing this, God, 
that we would be able to find healing in you, Lord, and healing in our relationships. We love you, Jesus, and in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening with us today. If you have any questions or comments about today's message or would like to contact Whitewater Church, reach out at info at whitewaterchurch.org or click contact in our show notes. And if you'd like to get involved in what Whitewater's doing to bless our communities, you can go to whitewaterchurch.org give. Your generosity is love in action. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.